This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. (laughs) Boy! Thank you for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast, and this is where I like to give my context and trigger warnings. It's more about the format this episode. There will be a pleasant holiday-themed conversation, but it will be bookend by the X and Y additions to the 2022 Ally's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review lineup. They will be XXXY and Young Adam, two features about men primarily trying to deal with their relationship issues while focusing on sex. Not quite wholesome to start and end this episode. What can you do? You know how difficult it is to find movies that start with the letter X that between 70 and 100 minutes. Between our responsibilities and our destinies. August 1st. I knew I was forgetting something. You forgot? There are those people who make us wonder. Something wrong, baby. How our lives might have been. Cold? You look great. <laughs> so do you. What would you say if I said, let's go back to my room, but let's bring Thea? I-, I heard that you were married. Thea is. Did you know that? No. Yeah, did you kept in touch? So, maybe we should all get together sometime. <laughs> Whatever happened that you guys all lost touch? You know how those things are. Sometimes I wonder what it would have been like if we'd managed to stay together. We had no concept of control. We just did whatever we wanted. Sam, don't even think about it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Okay. Well, we'll take it. So. You and Claire have been together for five years. It was five years, August 1st. When we were together, you weren't the kind of guy who kept track of stuff like that. What's going on, Coles? I can take it. There's no room for honesty, you know, in a healthy relationship. I love Claire, but I'm still in love with Sam. IFC Films presents Mark Ruffalo. You still haven't chosen me. You're settling for me. In a story that proves when passions collide, something always breaks. Why does it all have to be so complicated? XXXY So I've just concluded XXXY from 2001, I believe. May have been a later release. Uh, Two thumbs up from Ebert and Roper, and I think that might have been a little too kind. It's a feature starring... Mark Ruffalo primarily, uh, Kathleen Robertson, Robertson and and Maya Strange. It's a basically these three were fooling around together, but it was primarily Ruffalo and Strange, who were the couple in college. And once all that uh, screwing around gets messed up, they have a nasty breakup, and then ten years later, they just all end up meeting each other again. Ruffalo's character is in a five-year relationship. Uh, Kathleen Robertson's character has just gotten married and has a husband who named a restaurant after her. And 
uh, Strange's character has uh, came back from London, basically running away from a engagement over there. So it's all about Ruffalo's character just kind of being trapped in his past relationships, determining, trying to determine who he really loves and is that something that's he can work out and yeah it gets kind of messy and i've been in through uh that kind of situation as a kind of a third wheel type of guy um uh, through my early 20s and then i've had relationships and i've had some messed up situations in them so i totally get that and even with my early 20s i have had the that come back and uh bite me in the butt I get the story, and it's well acted. Uh, Ruffalo is uh, very sincere and restrained, and uh, Robertson is perfect in her role. Uh, Maya Strange's accent is the only issue with her character, uh, but I think that actually leads to a bunch of just poor directing uh, choices. I think you can see just such blatant cuts when in a scene that they've probably did multiple takes of and it's not it's just very boom right there so i i just suggest that maybe it's like the uh if you watch the end of mall rats claire fellaini's uh british accent starts sneaking into her struggles with jason london and jason lee so i don't know i mean this is something i think i could see again with um another partner and probably end up having the same kind of screwed up relationships uh issues come from it so if you're happy and you know it don't watch this movie um <laughs> but i mean i i i find the story uh great enough uh it's just again doesn't really like, if you want to rewatch this movie, you probably have codependency issues like me. So, I guess I liked it, but um, from a quality standpoint, though, it just doesn't uh, hold up well enough from a directorial standpoint, editing, um, so what have you. So, I don't know. It is, it's better than what you're going to get at the box office, but... That's solely on the story, not not the filming itself. Fortunately, again, you have great acting. I mean, I can complain about the accent work, but uh, Maya Strange uh, is Australian. Her character is very sincere, so I can't um, and believable. So, you know, I can't fault that. Again, just a weird movie, and this portion of Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Reviews is going to be a very weird closing of it because I think I'm going to watch Young Adam next. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. And officially, welcome to 90 for Chill, the podcast. Thanks for that seventh 
and a half minutes of endurance you just demonstrated to get to this point. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. That's the handle I'm trying to get over. It seems like the internet's affectionately knowing me as Catbus Russ, which is kind of awesome. But if you want to use your Amazon Echo or Google Nest device to give you a hands-free option when you're at home just trying to relax, like me with my cats, Ava and Skimble, just ask your device to play podcast by Russ Stevens, and voila! So, this podcast production was a cluster muck upon a cluster muck, but fortunately, a little endurance, and I've been able, I think, to cover up most of the mistakes. So I had a guest lined up, but I screwed up the appointment. And that's kind of sad because I had spent two years as a proofreader. So if I mess up what was written down, gosh, you just, just tell where my head's at. Thankfully, the poetic critic, the big sister, the poetic critic on Letterbox, came in a clutch and we tried to investigate why I just don't seem to have the Christmas spirit. I don't know if we got there, but we do go and give you a, a pretty quick history of Christmas and cinema. So we got that seasonally timed episode done, and now it's off to the crazy stuff like the best of episodes and finishing up the AL accessory shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Reviews. That's the future. I think I have a guest lined up again, and it uh, should be an interesting one, a movie I haven't seen, so looking forward to that. Otherwise, if you want to be the next guest, or if you want to be a guest, or if you just want to be the host, or co-host, I should say, for two episodes a month, let me know. Send an email to rustofus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Let me know. If you want to be a guest, just offer me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. Just focus on sub-100-minute movies, and I think we'll have some podcast gold. Rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. If you want to talk trash about the podcast, do that at my Twitter handle, at CatBusRuss. That's also where you can find my Mastodon social account information. And I know I'm running a little long on my intro again, but as always, uh, thanks Stacia Harden for being my inspiration and keeping this show going. And I hope I'm doing enough to impress you. So, And more importantly, I hope I'm doing more than enough to impress this audience. So... Let's get to the Poetic Critic and then stick around for a review of a hardly fallible actor, Ewan McGregor, in Young Adam. Superman! It seems that I'm the only one who doesn't really have that big holiday spirit when it comes to cinema and such. I mean, so many people are like, oh, Home Alone is being played at the Virginia Theater in Champaign. Um, which now I might have to cover since it's only 103 minutes, and I'm pretty sure there's no stinger at the end of that oh, one. Oh, there is. Oh, boy. Thanks. So, the Poetic Critic, what is the big deal about holiday cinema, and why is it's like every... Or maybe I just don't get the holidays, I suppose. Well, Christmas cinema did take some time to really catch on as a subgenre. While Christmas-themed films have existed going back to the proto-silent era... It is true that Christmas-themed movies were relatively few and far between for much of the first decades of the forum's existence. I remember in the early 90s, there was a syndicated TV special called Hollywood Christmas that talked about this sort of thing, and how even in the 1940s, movies like It's a Wonderful Life or the original Miracle on 34th Street didn't emphasize that they were about Christmas in the advertising. 
It might not have even been released at that time of year originally. So you're equating Gremlins to uh, It's a Wonderful... Well, no, it's not... Actually, that's not too far a stretch when you really stop and think about it. Or any... any uh, any uh, action movie from the late 80s, your Lethal Weapons, your Die Hards. More recently, uh, CNN ran a nice special a few weeks called, ago called Tis the Season that took a look back at holiday movies and specials. And there was a whole subsegment about Shane Black's strange <laughs> plays as they relate to the holiday. And you were telling me that, because I have not watched it, uh, that the um, Last Boy Scout is also a... I call it a straight up christmas movie but there is a ref some references and did shane black write the long kiss goodnight yes uh, okay in fact as a spec script it netted what i still believe is a record payday for a spec script back in the 90s hmm. this was back when screenwriters actually were could be big dogs for a while if they had enough previous hits under their belt. Right, before it all. And it is very much a Christmas movie. So that kind of makes me wonder, though, about Octora Theory. Because everybody's now hang hung up on it. Well, I mean, uh, obviously. Hung up on it, at least since the 50s. Right, but I'm just saying, obviously, with screenwriter, I mean. Once, I guess, Christopher Guest, uh, for your consideration, kind of defines what I'm thinking about it as the. Michael McKeon and his writing partner of the original play, Home for Purim, which mm-hmm. eventually gets renamed Home for Thanksgiving. Right. As they're listening in, as they're, the director's trying to, you know, direct his actors. Oh, forget about the script. <laughs> so. So. I don't, I, I, I don't know, maybe Santa Claus, well, I enjoyed Santa Claus the movie when I was five. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we saw it multiple times. Just once in a theater, but we did watch it a few times on video afterward. Mm. Um, I don't know. When we go to Buffalo, I mean, how many movies do we end up seeing multiple times? This just... is very true. I was just talking with my boyfriend yesterday while we were watching some Christmassy stuff about that one time in 89 when, for some reason, one of the movie channels or pay-per-views was on and was just a loop of Ernest Saves Christmas and Ghostbusters 2. Mm. You remember that? Oh yeah, Uncle Jimmy and his illegal cable box. Every podcast talks about illegal cable boxes. <laughs> um, yeah. No, and Ernest, I, like, honestly, it kind of, I'd say Ernest Goes to Jail is the only real Ernest. Well, no, actually, Ernest movies were pretty smart. Up until uh, Ernest Rides Again, which I still appreciate him becoming the King of England, if only for a moment. Um, yeah, I never went back to Ernest Goes to Camp. Like, parachuting turtles? Nope, I'm out. Uh, but, yeah, Scared Stupid was, like, what if we put an actual comedian in a Gremlins knockoff? So... But yes, no, it's a classic, especially the entire Santa sleigh bit. Which, lo and behold, a new Christmas classic was born in 2006. Which I really think that maybe uh, after Elf, um, that was exactly the movie James Conn needed to make. Well, what's interesting, going back to how Christmas-themed films were 
relatively few and far between for a long time. Many of the older movies associated with Christmas, the TCM likes to show this time of year, uh, that have heavy Christmas theming tend to cross over with a romantic comedy or crime. Oh, yeah, no, that's what Hallmark is, is based... I mean, December is pretty much... Hallmark has resorted to how retailers make all their money. We'll get them to watch the movies in December, and we'll just coast until... Well, they, they, they start their movies at the end of October. Yes, which... Again, we were having that discussion last night. Oh, there's too many... There's not enough variety in Christmas music. <laughs> My older sister does not work in a retailer. Or a hotel. Oh, gosh. The Mark Twain. Love that place. Re- highly recommend if you're ever in Peoria. But no, it was a all-Christmas feed. I at least get some weird tracks thrown in between stuff. That's what I mean. We're, I'm not the uh, all-24-7 station that I listen to sometimes this time of year. Uh, just is not throwing in the weird stuff anymore. They don't take requests on the lunch hour even, which was a good time to hear some deeper cuts. Well, I mean, it, it should be daily, Bob and Doug McKenzie's 12 Days of Christmas. Well, they never do that one. Is it, is, it because, is it because we don't know what toques are in the States? I don't think it's that. But, okay, turning this back to the evolution of the Christmas picture. Christmas movies also had trouble catching on once television was developed, as television got in on the Christmas spirit pretty early on in its history. Uh, who said that thing about... Um... Oh, um, was it uh, Jessica Ritchie at Ruby Stevens on Twitter who said after seeing Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio that she wanted to punch Rankin all the way? No, that, that was Paula Tompkins. Oh, okay. I don't think she's seen that yet. <laughs> but there was, enough of, there was enough television programming related to Christmas that making Christmas movies started to feel a bit redundant. At least as this special had it, and they had a point, especially as the musical went out of favor at the turn of the 70s, more or less. And then in the 80s, we have first the rise of a Christmas story, thanks primarily to early cable and syndication, and the run of Christmas horror movies that started yes. around the same time. Of course, right. there were Christmas horror movies beforehand. Well, I mean, the furthest back I can go to is Silent Night, Bloody Night. Well, that's one of the 72, 76, you have... I mean, it was Bob Clark season when Cable came around. (laughs) Black Christmas, A Christmas Story, Porky's. I mean, the dynamic nature of such a low-budget guy. Was he another one of those Canadian tax write-off guys? Well, he wasn't born in Canada, but he did come to success in that industry when the tax shelter took off in the 70s. Mm-hmm. He did do major studio work, too, especially after Porky's, but it was not generally not as successful. Yeah. But at the same time, Christmas there are Christmas horror films prior to that, such as one segment of the anthology movie Dead of Night. Oh, well, yes. In 1945. And... Uh, Christmas ghost stories have always been popular. Oh, I mean, yes. Telling ghost stories of Christmas is legit tradition in England. 
Yeah. Well, so, I mean, A Christmas Carol is a ghost story. Right. But more traditional ghost stories that don't necessarily have to do with the holiday itself are popular, mm-hmm. too. One thing Jessica Ritchie has posted some links to on YouTube are some BBC, uh, like, 40 to 50 minute short films they made in the mid-70s that would do one a year that would adapt uh, short ghost stories, and they'd run those over Christmas time. This is all making me think back of how John Oliver basically tells how you're raised as a very restrained child in England. Just the concept that, hmm, let's associate... I don't know, these kids have gotten quite, quite out of hand. Let's invent some ghosts. Oh, just... So we're, we're through the television era. Um, and... Yeah, I can't really say the 80s was that good except for specials from my cartoon shows. There were many... The 70s and 80s might have been the golden age of the animated holiday specials. Although that kicked off in the 60s. Mm. idea kicked off in the 60s. There are also a lot of TV movies about Christmas. Like, the uh, used to be syndication staples especially, but don't get as much screening today, such as uh, The Man in the Santa Claus Suit from mm. 1979, which is a lot of fun. Or The Night They Saved Christmas in 1984. Mm. is fairly well-remembered for a lot of 80s kids. Yeah. Or An American Christmas Carol, which is a Great Depression-set version of the story. With Henry, uh, Henry Winkler. Yeah. That one was discussed on when Screen Drafts did the, the Christmas Carol, Carol draft. Mm-hmm. That. And then in the 90s, we have another wave. We don't have so much of a wave of Christmas films post-Home Alone. Yeah, no, they tried with the remake of... Uh, Miracle, yeah, John Hughes back the Miracle 34th Street. Oh, jeez, John Hughes. Yeah. that. Yeah, and, um, I don't know. John Hughes kind of really lost it at the turn of the decade. And then at the turn of the millennium... Well, then you had... How the Grinch Stole Christmas blows up so big at the box office. No. I don't think Universal expected how big that would be. Well, Jim Carrey was still a movie star at that point. Yeah. The last movie star. I wouldn't say it was the last movie star. But it is... But the AV Club, when they did their Popcorn Champs essays series, which was... Which, for those who don't know, was about the top-grossing film in America for each year from the... Early 1960s to today. Noted that it is weird that How the Grinch Stole Christmas kind of straddles two eras because it is an IP exploitation. Oh, yes. And it's a movie star vehicle. Well, and... In a sense, we don't get so many of them. And we had a strange time, I think. Um, I'd say until... Like, there was really... There's only one, I think... Or two, uh, I wouldn't call them auteurs, um, influences, names you recognize that you go to a movie for. Uh-huh. And that would be George Lucas and Steven Spielberg by the time of um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, Ron Howard was still had a lot of cred, I'd say, all the way up till he won his Oscar. And then, whew, not saying he doesn't make great movies. I'm just saying, solo, underrated. I'm just saying that... 
nobody really like, oh, a Ron Howard joint. Yeah, he is more of a journeyman sort, right. I suppose. But... And I think they really needed to emphasize this, like, for West Side Story, really emphasize the Spielberg and the advertising campaigns. Well, there's a lot of debate on Twitter as to how much Spielberg's name means to the younger generations of moviegoers. Okay, listen to, listen to Screen Drafts next month, because I think it's the Spielberg month. Yeah. That even his name doesn't mean as much anymore. Right. But... Just sell your stuff to Disney, Steve, and people will respect you again. How the Grinch Stole Christmas doing as well as it did may, may have sparked the most recent wave of Christmas movies, because after that was when the Santa Claus sequels were made. They all post-date that movie. Yeah, and then, of course, you have Elf in 2003. Yes, Elf in 2003, uh, the Polar Express the year after that. Yeah. Which I, I do agree with my boyfriend. I love that... A lot about that movie, but no, nobody watches that for the story. <laughs> no, it's what I, it I, reminds me more of a Studio Ghibli film. Weirdly, I'll give you it's no, kind I, of its vibe. No, I could give you that. Um, you I'd rather so. I'd rather have mouths that don't move according to the word than dead eyes. Yeah, um, and I still am so upset about Tom Hanks' perfect Tom Waits impersonation. I wanted the hobo, the hobo to be Tom Waits. Yeah. The hobo could have had his own movie. Yes, <laughs> that's an interesting character. Like we don't, we don't really give Tom Hanks a chance to really stretch his comedy chops anymore. That is true. The, Depending the, on how you feel about Elvis. Or the well, <laughs> I heard that, but um, I mean the the um, re, uh, Coen Brothers. Um, remake of the Alec Guinness movie. Uh, the Lady Killers. Yes, I like the Lady Killers. <laughs> Especially when you get a cat, <laughs> when you get Pickles the cat, Marlon Wayans, J.K. Simmons dynamic is fun. I mean, it's borderline racist, but isn't all the best entertainment borderline racist? As they did on Saturday Night Live last night with um, Yes, the parrot <laughs> mentioning Father Brett by part, part 8. eight. And, and Martin Short is playing with an accent we still think is okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, yeah, there was that run of big Christmas movies. That kind of peters out, though, by the end of the turn the, of the millennium. Because yeah. they start getting stuff like Fred Claus and Four Christmases. Like, Vince Vaughn ruined Christmas two years in a row. Yeah. No, you see, I have not seen... I have not seen Fred Claus, but I haven't I, heard I, good things. I don't know. I Like, it, it sometimes is a lead-in to AEW Ramp... Has ended up being the lead-in to AEW Rampage. <laughs> like, which is why... Nobody should worry about the ratings of AEW Rampage. Nobody watch watches TV on Friday nights, in general. Um, but I can't really say, no, I'm kind of interested. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like kind of intrigued. Well, Fred, I, if I remember, Fred Claus definitely does not fit into your 100 minutes or less. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't say I was going to go out of my way to watch it. I'm just saying, hey, you know, Vince, uh, sorry, my Vince Vaughn was going to be Owen Wilson for a moment. <laughs> that's just something big on um seth meyers when he tries doing a vince vaughn yeah we're gonna make this work <laughs> like um yeah but no i've only seen one scene from um 
four Christmases, and that's Reese Witherspoon in the ball pit, chasing down her pregnancy test, and eventually ruining a kid's, I mean, straight up traumatizing a kid by saying, you know, that thing you have in your mouth was, I peed on. It's way too long to get to that punchline. Yeah. You could have just said it at the start of the scene. Right, right. No, I, I mean, I was thinking, I was watching that the other day because it's part of HBO Max's advent calendar. Oh, okay, yeah, I just figured that's how that got yeah. on your queue. <laughs> I see that thing through just because it's fun to kind of experiment sometimes, even if you trip over a landmine or two. But yeah, it's a it's a good thing you you have to, well, I've had that conversation about like now nah, virginity is awesome because you don't know what you're missing, and you don't step on any landmines. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying it's like your sexual experiences on by two party these two parties are vastly different. Well, with the end, like the first half of. The OOs has some fun Christmas movies, kind of the last ones that have kind of become standards. Mm. And then the back half, it's more stuff like Surviving Christmas or Christmas with the Cranks or. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird because now I'm seeing a. And this the, kind of opens up the void that allowed the Hallmark movies and yeah. Lifetime movies to flood in new tens they've been making that kind of stuff for years beforehand right everyone did yeah but it's just kind of a weird uh political ebb and flow all right yeah 80s reagan era 90s kind of chilled out Mm -hmm. clinton era boom in the in the aughts Mm -hmm. bush era (laughs) drop into Desperate right people just appreciating they have cable so they can watch their Christmas porn. <laughs> that's that's pretty much where it's been since Obama. Thanks, Obama. Which, again, I'm not a big Christmas spirit guy. It probably is the retail working, customer retail service working. working. Uh, customer service. Yeah, I can see where that would be diminishing. I'm mean, working at the old Kmart Words and noble at Christmas time. But you are also a third third shift person. That's true. I I have to wake wake up, <laughs> to wake up and have a smile on, which I don't. I wear a face mask because I care about my health. <laughs> oh, the joy! I don't know why more people don't wear face masks. The joy of cursing your, <laughs> cursing the cursing the douchebags under your breath. Mm, you don't want to risk that. There's always a chance you'll get overheard. You know. Well, and it's more of a mouthing thing. It's not like they can read lips. Yeah, not nice. When you tell somebody a bag is going to cost 10 cents, yes, we're just trying to deter people from using bags. Well, you're trying to deter people from coming to your store. You feel that freaking entitled about a plastic bag you're going to throw in the trash and kill a bunch of fish with. I mean, is that really what Americans, what conservative Americans are all about? Just wanting the ability to kill something? I'm not going to go. <laughs> okay, no. So we're, so we're through now to the 20 teens then. Yeah. 
We haven't had a lot of movie releases lately as it is to theaters, so there's not as much that yeah. tries the Christmas stuff. Yeah, I think the probably the standout would be the Grinch CG. I don't know. No, I'm not saying. For me, but yes, it was very popular. Yes, that's all I'm saying. It didn't do much for me though, because part of it is Christmas entertainment does need some wild hair. So I'm with people who agree with that. Well, here's what I'm thinking now that I say that it's like everybody's looking for an excuse to make a sequel, especially in this IP heavy time. Mm-hmm. Why haven't we had that many? Batman Returns or Returns, you know? Just put it at Christmas. Well, no one seemed to notice that Iron Man 3 was set at Christmas. Yeah, but Iron Man 3 is just kind of... Like, the only Christmas bit you get is when he's stuck stuck with a little kid. and You know how I feel about kids in movies. Would Jurassic World have been better without children? Or out- yeah, another Christmas case movie, that one. Remember, Jurassic World does actually take place at Christmas. It's just hard to notice because since they're traveling south of the equator, it's yeah, well, subtropical. Now. Right, I was just saying, it's not Costa Rica, it's not south of the equator. Yeah, but the kids uh, yeah. are going over Christmas. Jeez, those are some screwed up parents. They already know we're getting a divorce. But we're going to save that for after the holidays. You know, saving bad news for after the holidays, that's not uncommon. Yeah, and that's why the first Monday of January after the new year is the most depressed day in the world. That's just because the hangovers are setting in properly. Look, I've drank quite a bit on New Year's and I haven't haven't had that kind of hangover. So... But, I mean, yeah, um, so Iron Man 3, Jurassic World, I mean, you really, the point is, a sequel really needs to play on the Christmas. Like Batman and Robin reminding you, con- not, ooh, not Batman and Robin, oh god, no, sorry, strip that from the record, um, if I wasn't doing this on the Podbean app, which is a fine app, but it's still, yeah, I don't want to. I don't get the same thing with my computer where I can just drag. Um, yeah, so. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, Iron Man 3, hardly any Christmas jokes. Like, Avatar, that would really sell me on a sequel. Instead of having the typical, and I haven't seen, don't know anything about The Way of Water, you know. Oh, and another colonialism concept. How about we have Christian missionaries come to Pandora? <laughs> it's it's only a matter of time, you blues megheads. <laughs> you for, you've forgotten that 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 at the Animal Kingdom Pandora Pavilion, which is set at least one hundred years after the events of the first movie. Well, I that and humans and Pandorans kind of an understanding. They do put up Christmas decorations and stuff around them. Oh yes, over <laughs> their over their going <laughs> over their mech suits. Yeah. Like, I still wish that was an Alien versus Predator world. All the neon <laughs> neon splotches everywhere. 
Like the xenomorphs in Predator could have had a lot of fun. We need. Like there they, was supposed to be a 20th Century Fox themed theme park. I think it was supposed to be somewhere in Asia. Yeah. Or maybe Dubai. I can't remember offhand. Ooh. But they were supposed to have an alien pavilion as one of the lands. Alongside more conventional stuff. Like maybe maybe they had something related to Ice Age ready to go. That sort of thing. And it just didn't work out. Mm. Partially because of the Disney acquisition. But no, they have considered that kind of thing. I mean, if you look at some international parks, you might be surprised finding what license properties have been licensed for, like, thrill rides and stuff. I think Alien has been. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. But. I mean, we still all wish it would have been Alien Encounter. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be the Xenomorph. Yeah. I mean, early stages of development, but. So. Yep, so. So every franchise needs a Christmas movie. I think we can agree upon that. Beauty and the Beast fans would argue with <laughs> I didn't say you're gonna get a good one. That's <laughs> why you have to be careful what you ask for. Well, you know, you you have to have genuine people, artists wanting to do something. Not not the conglomerate ahead of you. So Perhaps it's great that we have liberal times that shut down Christmas movies so we don't have to worry about those possible nightmares. I hate to refer to Tim Curry as a nightmare, though. I mean, he's the only good thing about another Christmas movie. I'd say Home Alone 2 has more going for it than just that. But it does start running out of steam in the back half once they're out of the hotel. Yeah, once we get the pigeon lady... Yeah. And she hand, got she was able to ride that for a while. Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> well, she'd won an Oscar for My Left Foot. That was what got Hollywood interested. Oh, uh, okay. And she done but so she yeah, she did a bunch of those kind of parts afterward. Mm. You know, that happened it seemed to happen a lot off offhand thinking. It seemed to happen a lot with supporting actor winners, actor actress winners in yeah. the nineties. They yeah. Be cast me in that kind of pop. Oh, no, I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, kind of what Adam Amir's or me, I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much all your supporting actress winners who yeah. worked of... Of age, you know. Well, of age, or I'd say even foreign for the most part. Mm-hmm. You can throw Christoph Waltz into anything because he's got that funny little accent. Can't do that whoopee. <laughs> I don't want, I don't like, well, I mean, at least she had sister act, I guess. Which, again, abusing Maggie Smith. <laughs> Don't, you know, So, yeah, righty. So I think we've gone and covered 30... Well, I mean, obviously, we started back in the 40s, but the better part of the last 30, 30 to 40 years now. Oh, gosh, we are old. It's not that old. It is important to acknowledge that Movies we liked in our childhood now do technically qualify as old movies, just as much as 30s movies were old to people in the 80s. It's a healthy mindset to accept your place in the larger scheme of things. I'm just too poor to take those dog pills and (laughs) outlast everybody. So, well, thank you to the poetic critic. I figure if I could just pitch the right pitch... (laughs) Um, so you are on 
Letterbox is where you get the suggestions of the best mind, and of course she, she's willing to do anything for you people. She watched four Christmases. I do things for myself. <laughs> that's that's what all the great minds say. <laughs> but I thought that this would be fun, and uh, of the streaming services, you know, everybody's got their Christmas stuff up right now. I do think HBO Max has done the best job organizing what they have. Well, that's good. We don't have to end this episode with me begging you for your Criterion credentials. <laughs> Criterion has a lot of holiday stuff up, too. In fact, they have some lists at Letterboxd you can look. Oh. They actually do have a profile at Letterboxd. Oh, that's good. They don't update it all the time, but they do have a current list of some of their Christmas stuff on the channel. Because mm-hmm. they keep a lot of Christmas-themed stuff around all year long. But Did uh, David let you in on what's going on on Paramount Plus? Yeah, he didn't mention it. Okay, just try to give equal equal goes because we both have the Disney Plus experience. The Disney Plus disappoints me. There's so still so much interesting Christmas stuff they could be putting up. There's mm-hmm. a ton of like their Christmas and winter themed animated shorts they're not giving enough attention to that they won't post. Well, because people need to grab the des- desperate parents trying to fill stocking stuffers have to go to Best Buy and grab a copy of Mickey's Christmas Carol. Well, we have that, but. I'm talking the older, I'm, the older theatrical shorts. Oh, the well, no, I'm talking about the cartoons attached to it. Oh, it's a thirty minute movie, Rory. It's a short. <laughs> that's that's what I'm getting at. But, yeah, but like what they do have, they don't list them all under the holiday list, and they don't list the little match girl under the Christmas stuff, even though that qualifies. <sighs> it's one of the better things they did in the last fifteen or so years, and nobody's allowed to notice. Oh, Grandma, you're in heaven. There is no heaven. There's only Vishnu, but you'll learn that. Sorry, Robot Chicken got into me for a moment. And I guess that's a good thing about the holidays is that Robot Chicken usually does a holiday episode. Detective Jesus. Well, yeah, they did their parody of Murder on the Orient Express with Jesus is going to solve who killed Santa Claus. He's going to do it without his magic powers. Uh, no, Jesus, maybe you should... No magic! <laughs> Actually, when you look at... It reminds me of how surprising it can be when you see foreign, some foreign Christmas productions, because there's some very nice ones out there. Mm. But, like, there was a Hello Kitty anime series at the turn of the millennium that was... Mm. Hello Kitty's Animation Theater is what it's called. It did get a DVD release in this country. Okay. But... And it was just straightforward adaptations of mostly European fairy and folk tales, plus a few Japanese stories, for good measure. Okay, but this, this, I just want to make sure this is the uh, Japanese Hello Kitty, not yeah. the American cartoon we got in the late 80s. Yeah. Yeah, this Because you said theater, series. and I thought, oh, that was my It is what called they... animation theater, actually. It's a little, a little odd that way. Well, but I'm just saying, wasn't that what Hello Kitty's 80s show was? less but this doesn't have any framing device okay but in the hello kitty's animation theater they're fairly accurate straightforward adaptations the stories just with hello kitty characters plugged in Mm. because they also work in characters like karapi and karapi but they did do Little Match Girl, and they did stay true to the ending of the story, so here again, you can see Little Hello Kitty's body float out of <laughs> 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 It was genuinely kind of moving that way. 
Well, that brings me to a suggestion. If you have crit- since you have Criterion Channel, and I know it's in the Criterion Collection, and you want uh, true to the ending movies, I recommend The Lure. I uh, don't know if it's on the channel right now. But you're familiar with the... I've heard of it, yes. Yeah. I do know some of the Christmas themed movies they do have right now on the channel include well, Brazil, yeah. City of Lost Children. Oh. They've actually got that under a double feature listing. If you'd like to see <laughs> crazy Christmas set fantasy that, That's quite a bit of time to dedicate. I, I've been happy with Delicatessen and, and um, City of Lost Children, which I both I own both on digital anyhow. But, uh, but they also have... Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Get um, your Bowie fix. Yeah, The Christmas Tale with Catherine and you. Yeah. And some other films along those lines, too. And show your support. I, mean, I don't think you really need to, since it's on Pluto TV. Um, but show your support to um, Gizmodoplex. And spend your $7 a month. <laughs> Well, it's for the MST3K guys. It's Gizmoplex. I'm, sorry. Gizmodo. Oh, shoot. Yes. No, no, you're right. Giz- Gizmoplex. Yeah. Well, it's like... You see, I just like... I would have gone and put the Nick in there. Gizmonic Plex or something. Myself. No, I, Gizmoplex is fine. <sighs> then you got people... Where's my Gre- Where's my Mogwais? <laughs> They're on HBO Max. I, they better be. I'm really pumped about the... Gremlins Way of the Mogwai series. Yes, Gremlins is on HBO Max. No, no, it's always on HBO Max. I'm just saying the cartoon series. All right. Yeah. That's, that was supposed to be 2022. It still says it's coming. Mm-hmm. Got a hell of a voice cast on it, too. So. Yeah. Uh, right, so. Yeah, now we're just BSing, so. Um, and I'm really fascinated by these new Tom and Jerry's that are in my peripheral. <laughs> like... Why was Jerry a private eye with an afro? <laughs> a lot of them are style parodies. Yeah, so. All right, well, thank you, the Poetic Critic, and we will, you save the day once again. I'll try my best to edit that soundbite I occasionally throw on at the end of uh, episodes. The heartwar- this is the heartwarming story of how the Generation X saved Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I was going more with the... Flash, Flash Gordon, you say, save the earth. Have a nice day. I was just thinking that old Onion uh, article opening. This is the heartwarming story of how the weed delivery guy saved Christmas. (laughs) That is a problem with legalization, is that we don't have the need for the uh, weed guy. We didn't think about that. When will he get Uber Tokes? Come on, we got a few more weeks before the split Congress. Get that done. Long live Flash. You've saved your ass. Have a nice day. 90 for Chill, the podcast, proudly presents to you Ali's Accessories Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. The body of a dead woman was found in the river early this morning. So far, she is unidentified. 
I'm trying to do something different, don't you understand? I'm trying to do something Why can't you write an ordinary book? You'll be the ones who found the girl. All right. There's some evil men in this town. Hello, Joe. Hello, Kathy. What are you doing here? I'm working down by the river. Have you been swimming? I don't swim. I'm scared, you bastard! I reckon she must have just fallen in. So how do you explain why she was only wearing a petticoat? You play darts? Sometimes. Thought you'd find something better to do with your time. I can think of one or two things. You're nice, Joe. Are you sorry? That lot of good that would do me. You two are bloody quiet. Police are investigating that woman. What made you think of that? Wouldn't take long, would it, Joe? What? The divorce. As you kick your head in. It was nothing personal against you. I'm pregnant. It's yours. Just thought you should know. Is this your new boyfriend now? This is Joe. We're going to be married. We were right. We were fearless. Ah, well, that was then. skin and merged into the fog. And I've just revisited Young Adam, a movie I saw at least back when I was living in uh, Peoria Heights, so probably a good 10 years ago. It is the story of the uh, primary character, Joe, who gave up writing to and is just making a living going up to from Glasgow to Edinburgh sorry if I got the geography wrong on directions um and he here he soon starts in the affair with the owner of the barge and wife to the primary uh pilot uh so that's Tilda Swinton and Peter Mullen appropriately and everything seems to be smoothly until they discover a body floating on the river Clyde which is actually that of Kathy who was Joe's ex-lover portrayed by Emily Mortimer so the movie addresses the issues of trying to get over the best relationship you had, which wasn't a great relationship. So it's kind of a great double feature with uh, XXXY. A um, little dirtier. I mean, you have a murder. In the, well, it's not a murder, but the uh, city of Glasgow certainly thinks it is, which adds to our guilt that uh, Joe is dealing with the entire film, which he just keeps Constantly trying to push away by cheating on every partner he's ever, ever had. And it's a interest. I mean, an interesting character study, especially with Ewan McGregor as your uh, lead act, uh, lead actor. And the one with the least amount of Scottish brogue. Like, it, it was kind of frustrating watching this DVD not having an English subtitled track. It has a French subtitle track. Uh, but I suppose that's just to um, 
appease Studio Canal, who produced the movie. Um, but it's uh, well sh- well directed. I mean, how they pose all the sex is actually rather be- rather beautiful, uh, and the story. You know, it's just one of those stories where you hope our protagonist learns. But uh, I'd say like every other great Ewan McGregor protagonist, he's just going to keep running away. And I will say that because, of course, he does that in Obi-Wan for the first portion of the film. And I haven't seen Chariot Spotting 2, so hey, if somebody wants to talk about that one on the podcast, because the original does qualify for this. I mean, it's the poster of my website, 90forchill.com. So, if if there's anything, it just could have tried something to spice up the procedural in the end, since there is a murder trial going on. Um, I mean, you just kind of wish, you know, it's it's really a lot of wishing, come on, just take your responsibilities. And But, of course, can you blame him? I mean, you can blame him for all the cheating, but... You know, not wanting to get caught up in a interesting found person scenario. So, I mean, if you uh, liked XXXY, this would definitely be the better film of the two. But, I mean, it is pretty depressing um, content when you really stop and look at it. But, fortunately for this one, like, of course, there's some great 90s tracks in xxxy this one just has a soundtrack by david byrne which is kind of awesome in its own element so and it explores a lot of uh more relationship stuff as well i mean the emily mortimer ian mcgregor relationship that you see in flashbacks is very um codependent abusive i mean you can say a lot about it so david mckenzie pretty much nails down the most screwed up relationship thing and as i say it only kind of just gets dull once we get to trying to uh wrap it all up uh and surrounding it around a murder trial so but um you know if anything that gives you the time to really assess what this movie is uh up until that point can i hear a wahoo <laughs> 